This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonnewell. Kelly. Hey, man. How are you, sir? <laughs> We're very good. Good, good. Very good. good. Both of you and you and I are dealing with itchy throats. Itchy throats. Not uh, COVID, though. Just itchy throats. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is allergens. And uh, so, listeners, we apologize if Samuel or I just kind of start coughing or <laughs> whatnot. But uh, we are so excited. We're so excited. To do this episode. Yes, we have come to the end of season three. And this has been an amazing, uh, up to this point now, of after three seasons, 37 episodes kelly say that again 37 37 Ooh, yeah. you've got a nice that. accent you know, you know, there going i'm practicing you know awesome. thank you ba- you know with babble fish you know whatever yeah. it's called so anyhow um this has been an amazing just three seasons kelly and we have gone and talked to so many guests couples individuals interested in getting married individuals who have since been married you know in three seasons even our third season was just amazing and we did something very unique this season, and oh, we added Rachel. That's right, and Rachel and Morton. She brought an A game and made us like push forward and just be better and better. I'm so, so you, thankful for Rachel. Huge thanks to Rachel. And uh, you know, I think for her, she has just been like a godsend. Just like you're saying, mm-hmm. Kelly. Even in my time of just spending with Rachel, while she's not present now. Um, she brought a, a just a voice and her experience of mentoring uh, women and helping marriages. I just think it's been just so beneficial for our podcast and our listeners. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, part of our season finale, we typically like to talk a little bit about some of our favorite episodes mm-hmm. and, and specifically for, for you, Kelly, what was one of your favorites? Well, I had a lot of favorites. So I was thinking about this on the drive-in today, and I thought, uh, Jim, and Mc, Jim and Sharon McFarland, I, they were a couple who um, got married later in life after loss. Um, I know Jim and, uh, really well, and, but the one that stood out for me, and I just had so much fun recording it, was with Nick and Dolores Moton. Aha, aha. What do you remember from that episode? And I'll share a few things that <laughs> stood out for me. Well, you know what? I'm going to actually do it. I mean, let me, let me answer it this way, Kelly. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit of inside information. This is fun for me. So with Nick and Dolores, and of course, there's six kids, as you have right. Okay, say that again. There's six kids. Can you say that in Spanish? <laughs> Seis. Okay. Seis niños. Um, <laughs> uh, what we've, uh, funny, funny backstory um, that they didn't share on the podcast is uh, um, actually this past uh, month, um, Nick's father, uh, excuse me, Dolores's father and Tova's mother got married. Wait a minute. In, I didn't yes. know that was yes. Dolores's father. Dolores's father and Tova's mother after a oh, wow. 25 years of knowing each other and seeing each other saying, hey, how you doing in passing? 
over there. That's what be done. That'll be another podcast. But I tell you, that's such an amazing story of how you know your parent, you know, in their sixties, you know, uh, find lasting love after being high school sweethearts. Like amazing. Uh, that's a little bit of back history and like something that we would have never guessed really would have ever happened. So now we're really family. Uh, but, Very much but, so. But Nick, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, but Nick and Dolores, man, great couple that just uh, have gone through so much of them, their own selves being high school sweethearts. Talk about mm-hmm. running in the family, high school sweethearts and literally getting a chance after several years and having a couple kids um, finding each other. You mm-hmm. know, I think it was at a gas station, right? Mm-hmm. At a gas station. <laughs> so listeners, be on the lookout at gas stations for if you're single. Uh, but no, I, you know, I love that story of, you know, they dated in high school, yeah. were pretty serious and then kind of lost touch with one another for quite a few years. Uh, yeah, several. And uh, met at a gas station. But even that carried a lot of topspin to it because now they were merging five children. Mm-hmm. All similar in age and all quite young. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine how tiring that must have been in those years. Exactly. Uh, but and I just love their personalities. They're very fun and uh, outgoing and cheerful and serious about their faith. And just I really had a great time recording with them. So yeah. thank you for introducing me oh, to sure. Nick and Dolores. For sure, for sure. Um, and I can and I can think of two of, of one of my mm-hmm. favorite episodes. Um, so there was a couple that we just kind of by chance, the publishers got a chance to meet, mm-hmm. and Chris and Jenny Graby um, out of Tennessee, mm-hmm. and uh, literally Chris being. You know, his background being a pastor um, and also um, uh, road, no, rules, road rules, MTV, MTV, right? You know, so he's got a great entertainment and ministry background. And then mm-hmm. there's Jenny, who as a singer, was a mm-hmm. singer at the time and and has done some amazing things in her own life. And just getting a chance to hear their their book um, and um, just understanding this aspect about rhythms and ruts. Like literally right now um, in this time and season, their podcast is like number three um, in all of our rankings. And so for people who listen to them, they really were impacted and probably told their friends, hey, you should listen to this thing about rhythms and ruts and how we in our relationships, no matter where you are, where you're at in your in your marriage you know, challenging those seasonal or or individual ruts that you go through and finding actual rhythms in your life that work for your marriage based on the season that you're in. So I loved hearing them and and just their thought process about that in a different context. Yeah, you know? definitely. So that was really beneficial. So now we are after this episode yeah. and we'll get there. We go into season four. Season four. And we are starting out with a bang. Yes. And you and Rachel had the privilege mm-hmm. of interviewing a couple mm-hmm. that uh pretty special. Why don't you share with our yeah. listeners just yeah. a teaser? Yeah. about what they can look for. It'll come out after this episode. It'll come out a few weeks afterwards. Mm -hmm. So you can look for it. Yeah, so me and Rachel had the privilege of interviewing Jeff and Shanti Felton, and they uh, were actually a couple that we met by attending a conference called the AACC, which we did some plugs um, Mm -hmm. plugs about uh, a couple of years ago, and something that happens every two years, and again, encourage you to check that out, AACC. But during that conference, we got a chance to hear from these listeners who talked about all things marriage and finances. Um, I remember Jeff and Shanti have written 
the books for women only, for men only, the kindness challenge, and just several other um, uh, books uh, that they have have been impactful for people to actually look at their marriage, look at their finances, and find out how to better themselves in those arenas. And when uh, Shanti and Jeff got on, I'm telling you, not only are they very entertaining in their stories, but they really did a ton of research. And I'm talking about these are people who aren't traditional counselors or, you know, people that have these, you know, crazy, intricate psych psychiatric or psych psychological backgrounds, but more so they're people that have researched this thing. And I'm talking about, <clears throat> I think they have been in some big college environments, like I think like Yale and, you know, Princeton and have done these big research assignments and during their time of working on Capitol Hill and at Harvard Kennedy School, they have literally went and tried to find out how do we empower and enrich marriages, but also mm. do it from a context of God centered and gospel centered. And so uh, their just experience of of doing that um, has been so impactful. They shared a little bit about that. They shared about their time of being in Atlanta and how God has blessed their marriages because they weren't perfect mm -hmm. <laughs> and no marriage is. And in that time, they just have just grown to really consider, you know, how do we really help people where they're at? And uh, I love Jeff and Shanti's spirit, their ideas, and how they kind of just gave us a really good talking point um, that would empower marriages. And so that's something that you won't want to miss coming up in season four Definitely as our not. opener, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, Shanti is a bestseller. I mean, yeah. she's... We're, we're not joking when we talk about Shanti. So <laughs> yeah. we are definitely hitting it off with a bang. And again, you can look for that in a few weeks after this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, so now uh, we've got a really cool guest mm -hmm. that we're going to interview. And ironically, it is also about finances. Uh -huh. So Samuel, top three things, uh, Top three issues in marriage, what are they? Yeah, so definitely sex, communication, or communication to sex, and then money. Okay, money, money, yeah, money. And, and the entire time we've done this podcast, we've never touched on money. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's in the top three. And another unique thing that is really uh, interesting, what is the number one topic Jesus talked about? Mm. If you had to like look at all of the different things question. he talked about, uh huh, what would be the number one issue he addressed? What is it, Kelly? <laughs> money, money, money. It's money. Wow. So there, wow. that is really telling <laughs> that money is crucial to our individual lives, how yeah. we use it, save it, spend it. Uh, and uh, it's also obviously... If it's the top three issue in marriage, yeah, that sense. means it's the top three conflict. Mm. Okay. And uh, today we're going to get to meet Tom Skilling. Awesome. And Tom Skilling is also, as you were mentioning, is, is foundational for our Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey that we use at Ada Bible. Um, there's other challenges that he's been a part of, and, and he's really been you know, crucial for helping our church move and being a more generous church for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. He's been on staff. I've been on staff with Tom for many years. I will be interested to see how it's got to be at least eight, eight to 10, I think. Mm. And uh, he's just a great guy married for quite, and we'll let him tell that story. So 
Listeners, get ready because here is Tom Skilling to talk a little bit about finances. Tom, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, it's so good to be here. Thanks for the invite. For sure. Yeah. Really excited for today. And you're our money guy at Ada Bible now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Everybody's so, favorite favorite subject. <laughs> yeah, ex- oh, yeah. Cheer, cheer. <laughs> um, uh, but a little bit, tell us like about you, your family, how long you've been here, what your role i wasn't even quite sure how long you'd been here so yeah all that kind of stuff yeah happy to so married to jesslyn we just celebrated 14 years of marriage and we have two kids uh, madeline just turned nine matthew just turned six and i've been on staff at ada for almost nine years now um got hired in lifeline so i was a student pastor uh prior to ada and the first couple years uh, here on staff at Ada, and then I made the jump to small group ministry. And so I actually have a dual role, even currently, where I'm the director of community groups. So I help oversee all of our mostly couple small groups that meet in homes throughout our community um, across our campuses. But I also um, have the privilege of leading our stewardship ministry as well. So helping people, you know, grow in financial health and move towards uh, radical generosity. Um, I get to help lead that. So that's kind of a role I've taken on uh, in the last five years or so. And I really enjoy that part of my job. Yeah, that's a, so we're, when we were doing the intro, I'm like, uh, how long's Tom been right. on staff? And, <laughs> right. and, I, and I said, I think it's eight to 10 years. So I nailed you it. nailed it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And even as you're talking, I totally forgot you started in Lifeline. That's, that's right. amazing. I uh, went to Costa Rica with your son. That's right. Micah. Yeah, I think he was a, a senior at the time. Yeah. Yeah, now he's 25, married, wow. living the dream. Wow. <laughs> I like to think I had something to do with that. <laughs> yes, very much You were so. foundational <laughs> in his spiritual formation. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. For that's sure. Funny. So, Tommy mentioned that you were married. And uh, just uh, as we get into this podcast talking about finances, maybe just talk a little bit about your first couple of years of being married and, and working through that. Because we know so many couples, like, in that first couple of years of being married, like, we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. You know, we have our parents that tell us this. We have, you know, maybe uh, uh, support here or there, but trying to figure that out. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your process with your wife with finances. Yeah, no, happy to. And it's kind of funny that I ended up in this role at Ada as uh, the director of stewardship because um, I wasn't on a path that, you know, you'd think would end in this spot. So early <laughs> in marriage, I mean, we were just doing the same kind of stuff that all of our friends were doing. So, you know, we got married. Um, you know, the first thing you do is, you know, you get, get a brand new car, right? Uh, and when I say <laughs> get course. it, you finance it, right? Exactly. You put the minimum amount down, you know, spread it out over as many years as possible. And so we did that because our friends were doing that. It seemed like the, the right thing to do. And uh, yeah, you know, we um, really just did what most of our friends were doing early on in our marriage. So we had school debt um, at the time and a car loan at the time. And, um, but you know, we had two jobs. We had no kids for the first five years of our marriage. And early on, we just, we knew we had, uh, you know, more money coming in than going out. And so we were making all the minimum payments and taking vacations and, you know, going out to eat at nice restaurants. And that was kind of, you know, we thought that was, that was fine. You know, mm-hmm. we were able to, again, make all of our payments, kind of doing the same things our friends were doing. And uh, it wasn't really until we um, intersected with Financial Peace University for the first time that we had a different thought of how maybe we should relate to money. Mm. Tell us a little bit about what is Financial Peace University? Yeah. So Financial Peace University, uh, Dave Ramsey, many people may be familiar with him. He's the one that created this course. Uh, The current format is nine weeks long. 
And uh, it's really a very comprehensive, um, you know, class or experience or small group um, on just understanding uh, finances from the biblical point of view and the biblical worldview, how we relate to money. And it talks about things like uh, debt and savings and giving, even talks about things like insurance, Mm. uh, investing, mortgages, and just all from a biblical perspective. And so we had some friends that just gave us some DVDs. So we actually didn't even go through the full like nine week course. Wow. Some friends gave us some DVDs and we watched them at home and it was just super eye opening to us. You know, for the first time, uh, we, as we looked at the, the debt that we had, which was uh, about $60,000 at the time. So that and, was, and talk about what was that debt? So a school loans, this car. Yeah, that was it. So okay. it was about 40,000 in school loans. And then about 20,000, you know, for this okay. new car that we decided to find. What kind of car was that? It was a 2010 <laughs> Honda Civic. Okay. Nice. Well, you, at least you bought a reliable it was, car. Right. It was a nice car. Yeah, it was a good car. <laughs> there um, you go. And uh, yeah. And so that was the first time we're like, okay, debt. Um, the Bible says the, the borrower is slave to the lender. Mm-hmm. And that proverb, you know, we, we heard it for the first time and it really resonated with us. And we felt like, yeah, I guess, you know, we owe these people money and it probably would be better if we didn't owe them money and, mm. and we could actually, you know, pay, pay off that debt. And so, um, yeah, after going through financial peace or, or FPU for the first time, we made a commitment that we were going to just tackle, uh, this debt as, as quickly as we possibly can. And, uh, then we, we began that journey of, of paying off our debt. That's awesome. So, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm thinking about my listeners and maybe I'm thinking about myself in this space. Like first couple years married, you get your car loan. That's typical. You, you maybe, Staying in an apartment or you're trying to figure out a home, all those different types of things. And then you're in this space where you're like, man, all this loan, all this debt that I have, like, that sounds good. You pay 60, but like, how did you, what did you have to begin to prioritize or what did you have to begin to sacrifice to do those types of things, Tom? Because that sounds hard. Yeah, it, it was hard. And I forgot to mention, we had just bought a house, to, uh, you know, put the minimum mm-hmm. amount down to buy a house. And so, uh, yeah, that was fun. Lots of payments, but, um, yeah, to, to pay off our debt. I mean, we, um, really, uh, buckled down and, um, you know, we, we didn't take any vacations. It took us, it took us two years. Mm. We didn't take any vacations, you know, our, uh, fund for, we actually had a fund for like going out to eat was, you know, majorly, uh, decreased, uh, moving forward. Um, we actually tracked our spending, you know, we realized, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe how much we're spending at the grocery store. And maybe if we, you know, went to Walmart instead of this expensive, you know, store to buy groceries, we could actually save some money. Sure. And so, um, yeah, friends would, you know, go out for entertainment and we would, you know, politely, politely decline. Uh, we really just said no to a lot of things mm. over the course of those two years. And, um, you know, we, we had some fun doing it though. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of the nerd in our relationship. Uh, my wife would, would agree to that. And, um, I decided I've always wanted to do like a debt thermometer, you know, like when people are trying to raise money and they're trying to, you know, get to a certain amount sure. and like filling in the thermometer with like the red line. Um, I thought it'd be fun. Uh, I don't know if my wife thought it was fun, but I thought it'd be fun to have a debt thermometer, uh, as we were, we were paying off our debt. And so, you know, every month we would, um, you know, kind of balance our account see how much money we have left over that we could throw towards our, uh, our debt balance. And, um, you know, I would go to the debt thermometer immediately after realizing, okay, we, we could pay you know, $2,000 this month towards the car, you know, $1,500 towards uh, our school loans and just coloring in uh, that thermometer each mm. and every month. Um, and it started to ra- to raise even 
you know, more quickly than we, we even expected. We sold some things. Mm. Um, that's, that's one of Dave Ramsey's, uh, pieces of advice is like, what go around your house, like mm. sell, sell whatever you don't use or, or mm. maybe downgrade in some areas. And so we did sell a lot of things as well. And then, uh, yeah, really cool story. Uh, God and all of his providence. I think he's got a sense of humor <laughs> as well. And, um, really, uh, showed us his favor, uh, in this way, the, the very, the week that we made our last loan payment, um, and this was to the car. We wrote our last check to pay off the balance of our car. Uh, that week, we had gotten a, a positive pregnancy test. Wow. Our first wow. We've been trying wow. for several months, and uh, we got that positive pregnancy test. And really felt like wow. God was uh, kind of extending some favor our way, and uh, that was really neat. Wow. I love the idea of the debt thermometer because it gave you, it is nerdy. It is nerdy. I would do it too. Yeah, I'm listening. But it, it, gives, you, it, it gives you a visual. <laughs> and Tom... You and Jesslyn getting knocking out sixty k in two years, like when you first told me you had sixty k in debt, I thought, eh, probably five years. Yeah, two years is like really going at it. Yeah. So there, you know, there was a lot there. If you are going to decrease your debt, there is sacrifice, and I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought that up. You know, yeah, the power of saying no, which is something I'm learning even in my marriage, right? Of no in the in the financial arena, it's something hard because you get married, naturally you want to please your spouse, right? And your spouse wants to please you. And so in that space, you're trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to serve? Because we talk about serving our spouses, serving our spouses, and ultimately a lot of stuff costs when you're trying to serve them. And so like, I just, I guess like even for our listeners, even for myself, like when you're thinking about that context of, 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 of when you get married and you're navigating your finances, like, how did some of those conversations go about? Like, you know, you're you were both were savers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but how does how did some of those conversations go for you and her? Like to navigate, like you know, what we love each other, but we know that this is like the ultimate goal. Like, how did that kind of work throughout your context? Yeah, no, oh, that's a great question. You know, I think for so many couples, um, you know, we experience that uh, friends of ours or you know couples that that I encounter, you know, here at the church as a pastor. Um, you know, finances are just a huge area of stress in relationships. And I think for us, um, you know, once we learn some of these, you know, tools and just kind of best practices and biblical principles on stewardship, you know, through going through financial peace university, um, and we started implementing them in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't, you know, we didn't really have many money fights or arguments. Mm -hmm. And I think for us having, you know, there's already enough stressors in a marriage, you know, to be able to remove a significant one is pretty freeing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we, we had to say no to some things. Um, you know, the first couple of years of marriage, you know, we took trips to like Mexico and like did like really expensive vacations. Um, and then especially while we were getting debt free, I mean, we went camping (laughs) (laughs) or we did like an Airbnb for a night or two, you know, something like that. Like we really had to, to say no and cut back. But um, it was worth it for us and for our marriage because we had that peace and you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. living within our means. Mm-hmm. We're not stressed out financially. We're on the same page with our goals and our vision. And so it makes those decisions, you know, that much easier. Yeah. That's, that's so powerful. So what I'm hearing is you all found value in creating other experiences and valuing those other experiences. It wasn't always saying no, it was, all, it was just saying yes to doing it a different way. Yeah. Yeah. That's man, that's powerful. That's speaking to me right now. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's so good. So I just had kids like three years ago. You all had kids in the matter of paid off all this debt. You bring kids to the picture. 
here comes more debt in my mind, right? And all mm-hmm. different types of other financial practices. When you had kids, how did that uh, help adjust, shift, change things for you all? Yeah. Well, um, prior to having kids, I mentioned we got this positive pregnancy test. We were elated. We've been trying for a while. Um, all of a sudden we're debt free. We're expecting, but we're like eight, eight, you know, eight months out or so. Um, we made the decision, um, cause Justin wanted to stay home with mm-hmm. our kids. So we knew we're going to be dropping down from, from two incomes to one income. That's only going to make it harder mm-hmm. to stay, you know, debt free and live within our means and, and whatnot. And so, um, we just stashed all of her income away and as much of mine as we could during those eight months. We're like, we don't know, you know, what we're going to need this money for, but like the smartest thing we can do, the wisest thing we can do is just save just to keep options open. You know, once, uh, once our child is born and if Justin wants to stay home and to try to make that, um, a reality. And, um, that decision like was an ab- as an absolute game, game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin was able to stay home. Um, again, our, our daughter's nine. She, she's been home uh, these last nine years. And, um, the only way that was possible was by saving that mm-hmm. money, you know, for those nine years. And so, um, that was, that was super important. Otherwise, you know, she would have had to work, which many couples have to do and that's okay. Sure. But we were grateful to have that opportunity for her, her to stay home. Um, having a budget, you know, that's a huge part of, so we paid down debt, but we also had a budget, um, which was, which is super huge for us. And I think budget, uh, that word, uh, gets a bad reputation. You know, I think people cringe or like, you know, turn the the show off when they hear that word. But, um, what I found, uh, is that a budget, uh, another uh, term I like better than budget is really a spending plan. Mm. So a, a budget is just a plan for how you're going to spend your money. And it's really meant to give you permission to spend your money in the areas that you want to spend your money. And so once I kind of had that shift in my mind and we had that shift in our mind, um, it became more of a freeing thing. Like, yeah, we're going to have this budget. We're going to create this spending plan for how we're going to spend our money. And no matter how much money you make, if you have two incomes, if you have one income, you know how much money is coming in. And then, you know, you plan how you're going to spend that money going out. How much are you going to give? How much are you going to save? How much are you going to, you know, spend? Um, Things like that. And so having that budget, that spending plan really carried us through, um, you know, those years of of one income with having little kids and and knowing, okay, we can, we're going to have to tighten up. We're going to have to, um, you know, say no to some things, but we we know how much money is coming in. We have a plan for how we're going to spend that money. And, um, you know, God's going to take care of us. And we had that money saved away that we had stashed away over those eight months before our daughter was born. And that, you know, gave us a, a cushion, uh, some margin and uh, took out some of the stress. And so really creating that, that spending plan, that money, that, that, uh, that budget really, really helped us during that season. And uh, yeah, another thing too, we, we went through financial peace again mm. uh, as a couple. So, so we've actually, your second yeah, time we've been through it th- three times as wow. a couple, but the second time we went through it, uh, was a handful of years later, you know, I think our, our kids were, um, you know, five and two maybe, and, uh, just a totally different season of life. So we have two kids still on one income and, uh, yeah, we were debt free except for our mortgage. We had uh, an emergency fund saved up, you know, so if, you know, an appliance goes out, you need to make a car repair, you know, things like that. Like we have money saved away. So it, it became an inconvenience and not an emergency. Uh, but, um, yeah, there, we were in a different financial picture than we were the first time, right? Mm. Two incomes, no kids. Now we have one income, two kids. And, uh, we really found value in some of these other topics of financial peace university, like insurance and, and, and mortgages and investing. And, um, it really hit us in a season of life where we really needed it, where 
early on in our, our marriage, those, those topics weren't quite as important as they were, um, you know, having a couple of kids and mm. going down to one income. Mm-hmm. Tom, I'm so glad you brought up that naughty word budget. <laughs> <laughs> so nerdy. It is. Uh, you know, when I got married, uh, number one, I'm the spender. Uh, you're a very, you and Jessalyn are a very unique couple in that both of you are savers. That's not usually how most couples are. There's usually a saver and a spender and very true. And there's a tension there because, mm-hmm. uh, of those dynamics. And I am the spender in, in my relationship. I had no financial background when I got married. Uh, but I ended up reading by chance a couple of books and realized the importance of budgeting. Mm. And I always tell people that I'm meeting with or couples or individuals that, you know, like if you're going to be married, you have to have a budget. Mm. It's like a mm. non-negotiable. So for those listeners who don't have a budget, uh, talk to your spouse and mm-hmm. let's get on, yeah. let's get on that trajectory. Um, but let's uh, talk a little bit about it. Cause I love what you said. Budgets are freeing mm-hmm. because what they, I'll give you an example. Okay. Mm-hmm. One way that it's really been helpful in Julie and I's relationship. And that is, uh, I'll use fun money. Yep. For some people, they have fun money, a fun money budget for each person. Okay. And we'll say it's $50 a month. Okay. And uh, what usually happens in a relationship is if you don't have a budget, one of you is going to be really tight with the money. So one of you is going to say, Hey, honey, I'm going to go to the mall today. And what does the spouse usually say after that is said? That's great, but don't spend any money. Right. So already you've created this tension. But now if we have a budget and say it's uh say it is March, okay? And and for Julie and I, our budget is, you know, starts in January. So technically in in January, February, and March, I haven't really spent any money out of my fund budget. Say I've spent 10 bucks. Okay. And so now I have the freedom to go spend as well as Julie's the saver. So she doesn't have the obligation or the, maybe a better word would be compulsion to say, mm-hmm. don't go spend money. Okay. So, uh, but let's, let's dig deeper. How did, how have you guys made, what makes a budget work and not work and what's worked for you? How do you track it, et cetera, et cetera. All yeah. those little details. That was really good. Um, yeah, and you mentioned fun money. That's exactly what what we do. Uh, we each have a, a line item for for fun money. And for me, like one of my guilty pleasures is like an afternoon coffee, whether mm. it's, you know Starbucks, uh, Cafe Miel, somewhere else. Like <laughs> I just had this you know craving a lot of days to do that. But prior to having a budget, I always felt guilty, or maybe I'd try to hide, you know, somehow uh, a purchase, you know, for a, a coffee like that. Uh, now I have a, a fun money line item, right. To where, um, I can, I, I give myself permission. I can, I can happily pay, you know, or use my Starbucks app and know that, that this is in the budget and I have permission to spend this money on that coffee, uh, which is really cool. But you're making up another really good point though. And that is usually the fun money that you want to spend and what Jesslyn wants to spend are very different. That's right. Mm. And so couples who don't have a budget, that's mm-hmm. right. They they bark at why are you 
Mm. Tom, why are you spending that money on coffee? That's a waste of time. Or, <laughs> right. you know, she has something that you look and go, that's a waste of money. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. But I would say, yeah, step one, you know, for us and for any couple that's like, okay, this, this budget thing, we'll give it a shot. You know, where do we start? Just, I would just spend like the first, like a month and just keep track of your spending. So don't even necessarily try to tighten up, like just do what you normally do, you know, unless you really need to tighten up because you're in debt or whatnot, but really just keep track of your spending. Uh, whether it's hanging on to receipts or, you know, looking at your financial, you know, bank statements, things like that, keep track of your spending. And then at the end of that month, you know, pick a a calendar month at the end of that month, come together and just review it together in your marriage and maybe try to categorize it a little bit. Like, okay, here's the food and here's what we spend on our, our house, you know, utilities and mortgage, things like that. You know, here's our, um, you know, toiletries or whatever clothing, like try to, you know, group it together a little bit just to get a sense of, where your money's going. And for us, like that first month of tracking our spending was just so eye-opening. We could not believe how much of our money we were eating every month. Like literally I mentioned that, like how much we were spending, like eating out and groceries. And like, we never even gave thought to it. And, but when we're spending like a thousand dollars a month on just two of us with no kids, like that was a problem. And so that was the first area that we really tightened up, but just spend a month, just track your spending, see where it's going. You'll probably feel convicted just in that first month of like, okay, we need, we, this is ridiculous that we're spending this much, you know, eating out or whatnot. Um, but spend a month tracking spending. And then, you know, there's some helpful guides out there. Um, every dollar is, uh, the Dave Ramsey app where you can, um, create a budget. They give some recommendations for how much you should spend like percentage wise on different categories, you know, so like housing, you know, your, your mortgage and, utilities and things like that. He recommends like no more than 25% mm. of your take home pay should go towards that category. So it's kind of a helpful guideline, you know, clothing, you know, Hey, maybe 5% of your take home pay and then food and, and all these areas, it kind of breaks down some guidelines. Um, but go to, you know, every dollar it's, it's free um, to use. You can, you can pay for a premium version. You don't need to though, but there's a free version there where you can and start to, to create a budget. Um, based on how much money you have going in and then start to to plan and figure out, okay, where do we want our money to go this next mm. month? And uh, your first month of actually creating a budget and trying to live on a budget, it's, you're going to fail miserably. You're going to be so far off and you might get frustrated, but it is totally normal. It usually takes about three months to kind of get in a groove and to, to get to kind of be more precise. Um, but um, yeah, I would say track spending for a month and then use like an app like every dollar, take a stab at it. It's going to take a few months to get it going. Uh, and then also have a, have a, like a reserve fund, uh, some, you know, just some money that's just kind of tucked away for other, you know, cause other happens, you know, there's things you're not going to foresee all of a sudden, you know, half your friend group's getting married in one month and you have to buy all these wedding gifts that wouldn't normally happen, you know, in a normal month. Like that's where the other line item comes into play. Um, have, have, give yourself a little bit of margin for those things that come up that are unexpected. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, so a couple of things that we do is, um, uh, we, you talked about weddings. We have a gift budget. And again, what we do is we clearly mark out how much we are going to spend on gifts for Christmas, for mm. birthdays, for other, uh, same thing with tithing or giving, you know, we have a very thorough breakdown. And so, yeah, that's so helpful. It's really good. And, and as you were talking, Tom and Kelly, you know, I thought about, you know, because we this is a marriage podcast, but we bring the Bible greatly into what we do and what we're talking about, especially because it is the foundation of marriage. I thought about Matthew 6 and 21, 
where it talks about where your treasure is, that's your heart, where your heart is at. And like, as we're talking about this, how, how about that context where if we're really looking at where we are placing our hearts, you know, and where that plays out in the role of marriage and finances, sometimes there's a struggle of, man, you can tell that you spent all your money on A or you spent mm-hmm. all your money on B. And that's where your treasure is, where the other person's like, are you really invested in us? Mm. Like, let's talk about that a second. Like, how does that play a role where our treasures sometimes reveal things that are kind of hard in our marriage and it's hard to kind of get away from those finances? Have you ever like kind of this, like had that conversation or considered like how that plays a role in marriage at all? That's a great question. Yeah. You know, um, for me, what, what I first think about when you, as you ask that is just this idea of, um, Stewardship, yeah. You know, so I'm the director of, of stewardship here at Ada Bible Church. Like, what is what is stewardship? It's a, it's a word that's thrown out there. A lot of different, you know, possible meetings, but really, you know, when you look at what does stewardship mean? Like, stewardship, first of all, is just this uh, the idea that God owns everything, uh-huh. right? Uh, he created everything. He created us. He's given us unique abilities and talents. And, and really like there's nothing in life that we can really take responsibility for because mm. he either gave it to us or he gave us the gifts or the talents or the opportunities uh, to be able to, you know, produce something or acquire something. But at the end of the day, you know, every good and good and perfect gift is from the above, Lord, right? It's yeah. from the Lord. And so um, I think this idea of stewardship <clears throat> is like as God owns it all and we are, are his managers. Mm. We're, we're entrusted to, to steward or to take care of the things as he would want them to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Right. So thy will be done. And so I think that that that's a helpful conversation to have, I think as a, as a, as a couple is to recognize, okay, this money that's coming in, like, I think it's, it's very easy, especially in America to feel like this is, I earned, I worked hard and I earned this money and this is, you know, mine and what am I going to do with it? But I think it's helpful to, to start, at the foundation of that. No, it's all God's mm. and he's uh, entrusted us with this. And what would he like us for us to do with this? And I think that if you have that lens, as you're looking at your budget, you're looking at how to, you know, allocate your spending, like just ask and maybe even pray, you know, as you head into that conversation, like what would God have us do? And I think you might land a little bit differently than if you yeah. don't do that. And that makes total sense. I think, you know, for any of our listeners who are out there, there's a space where again, the whole treasure piece, mm. but if you flip it on its head, like you're saying, like, what would God want us to do with the thing where our hearts are at? Mm. I'm saying what's a reveal. What is, what are our financial practices revealing about ourselves? And often cases it's our distrust Mm. in our relationship with the Lord. And when we start with that, Kelly, like we talked, we did a whole series talking about what's your relationship with the Lord? Like, are you serving? Are you, Mm. you know, and in those spaces, like it sounds like what you're saying is, Hey, um, as a married couple, go back to the source, go back to the foundation. You are managers, but God is the owner of this whole thing. Mm. And if you go to him, he will guide you. He will direct your path. Proverbs three in that space. And he'll lead, lead into you, lean into you in terms of what you should do. Mm. And because we're stewarding, uh, and that's something I want to just get into a little bit more. Like when you're stewarding something, there's, there's a way to do it. And there's a way not to do it. Mm. And so like Tom, like when you're talking about true stewardship, like at the core of what that is, for a couple who's listening, what is the true, what is true stewardship at its so at its core? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, true, again, true, true stewardship, you know, I would say is just that, that, that trust, mm-hmm. um, that again, God owns it all mm-hmm. that we are, um, and responsible to, to manage what he's given us and really to, to, to trust him mm-hmm. with the results, mm-hmm. you know, trust that he's going to take care of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to, 
you know, hold tightly, hold, you know, to control our, our finances or our, you know, our future, or really to trust that the father, that he, he cares for us. He knows what's best for us. And if we decide to, you know, give our, give a little bit more to the church or to, you know, to, to be more benevolent, um, as he, as he calls us to that, that he's going to, to bless us. And that may be financially, it may be in other ways, but really trusting, um, that God, you know, cares for us as, as, as his children. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we serve a God that just is, um, he's radically generous, right? Mm-hmm. He, he yeah. gave a son for us on, yeah. our, on our behalf. Uh, yeah. He's given us so much. He's blessed us in so many ways. And so he's proven himself to be trustworthy in our lives. And, um, and so I think that that's, you know, at the foundation of, of good stewardship, proper stewardship is really trusting in God, who he is, that he, that he's the creator of all things, but he's also, he's also really good mm-hmm. and he's going to take care of us. Yeah, Tom, I am so glad we're, I'm so glad we're spending a lot of time talking about this aspect of uh, stewardship, trust. Uh, you know, uh, before the, when we did the intro, I shared that uh, the number one thing Jesus talked about was money, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. one of his most important, you know, one of my favorite parables he ever told was parable of the talents. Yeah. And that's really what we're talking about. So the, the parable goes that Jesus gave somebody uh, five talents or coins Mm. and then two and then one. And the cool thing about that story is that you can look at that in various ways in terms of your gifting. That could be a talent that God's giving you. And the whole point of the story is the person who was given five doubled them. The person who was given two doubled them. And then the person who did one, they were stingy Mm. and they didn't double them. And in the story, the the master or the owner uh, Mm -hmm. or the overseer, he was upset with the one who didn't use his talents. Mm -hmm. And I think, A, that goes with, in terms of talking about our money, it also goes in terms of talking about various other things. Mm-hmm. But I love that part um, that we're hitting on this. You know, a long time ago, uh, God was very clear with me in terms of uh, our dynamic that, Kelly, at the end of the day, I am your provider. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that was so freeing for me. To be at that, and I love what 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 did you say? He's a rat. He's radically generous. generous, And I think that's something we really need to meditate on. Mm -hmm. And when we get stingy, when we overspend, when we don't steward well, we forget Mm. he's radically generous with Mm. us. He is going to take care of us. Mm. Even again, to the point, Jesus over and over tells stories about that. You know, why do you worry that God is going to take care of you? Six, yeah. You know, so yeah. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. So knowing God is going to take care of us, Tom, then there's also our role of what we do practically. Mm. Like there's couples out there, they're they're listening to this, they're struggling, they're trying to figure out like, okay, Tom's great. Your story's amazing. (laughs) Hallelujah. But what do we do? What are some things or maybe two or three things yeah. practically that we can do to to help us get down this role of, of managing our finances well? Yeah, I think the first thing um, that I would um, encourage couples to do is live within your means. Mm. That sounds, you know, so simple, but very few Americans actually live that out. Uh, I think it's something like 80% of Americans <coughs> live, live paycheck to paycheck. And so there isn't, Savings, you know, most Americans have have a lot, quite a bit of debt, credit card debt, car debt, other debt, 
Um, but I just wonder what would happen in a relationship if every relationship, um, every couple decided, Hey, we're going to live within our means. We're going to spend less than we take in. And it sounds so simple, but, but very few couples are actually, um, practicing that in reality. And so that'd be the first encouragement, whatever your, you know, whatever your income is like, just commit as a couple to live within your means and don't, you know, don't worry about what your neighbors are doing. Most people are financing anything anyways. And so if somebody gets that new car or the boat or the cat, whatever it is, like chances are, you don't know. And we're not, it's not our, not our point, not our place to judge. Yeah. Chances are that it's probably financed. And so, um, you know, it is what it is, but, um, for you to, to have, just have peace knowing you're living within your means, you're not going to over leverage yourself and create extra stress and, and worry in your relationship to, to live within your means. Uh, I think Dave Ramsey said something like, um, you know, stop. Uh, spending money you don't have to buy things you don't need to impress people that don't even care. <laughs> and so, so I think it's kind of true. I think we, you know, most people don't really care that much about, you know, what we have. Um, and anyways, if we can't afford it, you can't afford it. If you can't pay cash, he'd say that that means you can't afford it. God, he says, God says no. <laughs> if you uh, don't have the cash to pay for it, uh, that, that's God's answer that you shouldn't buy it. So live within your means would be the first thing. Uh, the second thing we talked about the budget. Um, I think you'll find if, if, if you've never created a budget before and you're, well, as, as if you were single or in your marriage, like just try it, track your spending for a month, try budgeting for a month and look at it as permission to spend your money. Not as this like, you know, handcuff shackles kind of deal, but like permission to spend your money. I think you'll experience a, a sense of freedom that maybe you, you hadn't before. And the third thing I would say is to, is to have an emergency fund. Um, that's just so huge. So Ramsey will say, you know, early on in, in financial peace university just to, to save at least a thousand dollars, like tuck, tuck it away somewhere. You're not going to spend it at least a thousand dollars to start out. You know, that can cover a lot of, you know, car repairs or appliance, you know, fixes, things like that. Um, so you start there. Ideally you end up having, um, like three to six months worth of expenses mm-hmm. saved in emergency funds. So in case there's like a job loss, um, that you're going to, you know, you'll be able to last for, you know, three to six months, uh, worth of expenses. So ideally that's even, that's even better. And that would be an encouragement to, to get there at some point. Um, but initially, you know, a thousand dollars, put that away and then maybe tackle the deck, and then maybe a tackle the debt before that bigger emergency fund. But having that emergency fund in your marriage is just going to remove so much stress, you know, cause, cause life does happen. These unexpected, you know, emergencies, big or small, they do happen. But when you have uh, that money tucked away, um, it becomes an, an inconvenience and not, not an emergency. It's just like, okay, that's annoying, but we have the money. That's what it's there for. And so we can spend it and it's not a, you know, source of, uh, contention in the marriage. So live within your means, create a budget and have an emergency fund. I would say would, would be a great starting point. Amazing. Amazing. I'm so glad you brought up the emergency fund, uh, Tom, that's so important. And, and again, I really do believe, uh, for most listeners, a good goal would be three to six months of savings uh, between all of your incomes, uh, just in case something you know tragic happened, like a job loss or something. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I think it is an important thing, and that is investing your money. Uh, and uh, I just want you to say a few words about it. I'll lead it by telling a story I heard years ago, and it was kind of the impetus for me to begin investing. And that is um, an important part of stewardship is saving. And, uh, and again, before you invest your money, you have an emergency fund that is sitting in a savings account. Um, you can't lose any money. 
And uh, But investing is very important because now we're thinking long-term. We're thinking retirement. We're thinking kids' college. We're thinking down payment for something years out. And the story I heard that was really powerful for me is when it comes to investing, uh, is if you do have that emergency fund, today is the day you need to begin. Mm. Um, and it could even be just $50 a month, but you don't touch it. And it's an investment for 10 years, 20 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And this is a story that was really <clears throat> powerful to me that I remember hearing. And that is there were two brothers and one brother uh, began investing when he was 18 years old. And uh, he invested uh, a certain amount of money. And he invested until he was 30 years old, okay? And he stopped, okay? And I can't remember all the numbers, but then his other brother didn't start investing until he was 30, and he invested until he was 65, okay? So for 35 years. And the both brothers are sitting down at a dinner uh, when they're 65, and the one brother, the, the brother who had been saving from 30 to 65, He says to his brother, he says, oh my gosh, man, I just tipped the million dollar mark. I've, I've in my investment accounts, I haven't touched them. They're now a million dollars. Well, the brother who had started saving when he's 18 and saved till he's 30, he's like, oh, that's cool. I have a million dollars too. So the part of investing is you've got to start now. Do you have any thoughts about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And I remember I was in college, someone had told that to me. And at the time I was like, why why would I invest? I'm like 20 (laughs) years old and this is okay. I'm sure there's some really fancy math that that makes sense here, but like, you know, I I hardly have any money. And like, you know, that's a problem for future Tom. I don't need to worry about that right now. I'm not retiring for a long time, but I wish I would have, you know, started then, but I did start, you know, in my, my mid twenties. Um, but yeah, it's compound interest is our friend. Um, and that's huge. And, um, I would, yeah, strongly recommend, you know, once, uh, you know, if you build up an emergency fund, you know, get rid of some of your debt, like that should be one of the first things that you do. If you're not currently, um, you know, contributing to a 401k, 403b, you know, IRAs, um, to start doing that and let compound interest work on your behalf Mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. Time is the the key ingredient there, um, to be able to, yeah, to be able to invest, to, to, to grow, your money for the future. Um, so whether it's kids college for your own retirement, things like that, um, y- your money just going to grow in a way that's just not possible. Uh, if you, if you wait too long. So that's super important. Um, but I would say too, you know, if, if there are couples out there, you know, that are forties, fifties, don't have, you know, tons saved away yet. It's not too late to start, like start investing mm-hmm. now. Compound interest will still work on your behalf and uh, it's, it's never too late. And so, um, choose to choose to do that, um, you know, as soon, as soon as possible, uh, but for anybody, the earlier, the better and, uh, make it a priority, even if it's just, you know, 2% of your, of your income, like do 2% or if your employer does a match, like try to at least get that match. If you can, you know, that's kind of free money that's on the table. Uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, he throws out the number 15%, uh, you know, it's kind of a big number and it may not be, it may not be able to start there, but maybe a target that you work towards over time. Um, but yeah, let, let compound on interest be your friend and work, work on your behalf. And, um, I would say too, this is, uh, my, my view of investing and, and the future has changed a little bit as I've understood more about how generous our God is. Yeah. And, um, there's kind of on, on one hand, there's this idea of like, no, we, we shouldn't be 
saving that much for ourselves or like investing because we can be giving the money away right now to people, right? You might've heard people that are like that. Like they don't really save anything because they're, they're, they're either spending it all or giving it away. And it's like, um, and some of that there's, there's really noble, a noble heart in that. Um, but as I've thought about, and I've had conversations with a lot of very generous people and very smart business minded people, their, their mindset is, man, yeah, I can be generous now, but I can also invest my money and, and make it grow. And then when I become, when I get to retirement age, like I have a lot of money and a lot of it's going to have grown over time, man, just think of how much more generous mm-hmm. I can be then too. So it's not a either or, but it's a both. And I can be generous now, but I can also invest not only for my future, but also for my future generosity mm. and have money grow in such a way that I can just be even more radically generous, you know, later in life. And that's a, that's a vision that really has, has captured, you know, Jesslyn and I, as we think about being both generous now and down the road, how we can maybe even position ourselves to be more generous through investing now. That's the last thing I have for you. Uh, and you, you did a great segue there. So we, uh, we also need to talk a little bit about just giving and tithing. <laughs> But you also have been very influential and a key person in our generous giving component at Ada. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about that. But like, what is the importance of giving and tithing? And, and what, what does tell our listeners a little bit about generous giving and, uh, and that component? Yeah. So I would say for our, our stewardship ministry, you know, Financial Peace University is a huge part of that, you know, to, to help people get financially healthy and then really start, you know, getting on a path towards being more generous. Um, but there are a lot of people, you know, at our church, maybe some of you listening out there, like you're, you're in a space where you haven't had, you know, to make a, uh, a loan payment in, in years, or you haven't had a mortgage payment in years and, you know, kids are out of college and you have, you know, more money than you know what to do with. And so maybe financial peace university is not the right step for you. We have, um, these, uh, we've, uh, intersected with this ministry called generous giving and their mission is really to inspire radical generosity among, among Christians. And they have this uh, 24 hour retreat called the journey of generosity. And we host these retreats, you know, throughout the calendar year. And it's just an opportunity to examine scripture and be inspired by, you know, stories of individuals and couples who have uh, made the decision to, to be radically generous and how, you know, they've grown as a result of that. Um, you know, you have small group conversations and there's journaling and reflection and reflection and just this, this 24 hour experience of just listening to God's heart in this area of generosity. And there's no like ask for money or giving or anything like that. It's just an opportunity to, to, to lean into this conversation of generosity and, and just respond how God, how God leads you. It's a really cool experience. We also do some one night events, uh, called flourish. We got another one that's going to be planned, um, in, in February, the dates are to be determined, but these events that are kind of a mini journey of generosity, like a four hours of same kind of experience. But um, yeah, it's great to see this generosity, you know, ministry kind of grow here at a Bible church. But um, again, it all goes back to the heart of our God who is just radically generous and he desires for us to be generous in in return, right? God loves a cheerful giver. And um, when it comes to giving and tithing, you know, I think tithing is another word that gets a bad rap. It's like 10%. The tithe means 10%, right? And so 10%, you know, am I obligated to give 10%? Is that an Old Testament thing? Is it a New Testament thing? You, you, you have scholars who are super smart that can debate kind of both sides of it. But the reality is like our God is a, is a generous God. He's got a generous heart. He desires for us to be generous in return. And as I've noticed when I've examined scriptures, anytime Jesus has come along and, um, you know, commented back on some kind of Old Testament principle, he's often only raised the bar, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to something, you know, you've, you've heard it said, you know, you shall not murder. Well, I say, 
you shouldn't even be angry mm. or like, you know, don't commit adultery. And he says, well, if you even commit lust, you know, in your heart, that's mm. like the same thing. He doesn't specifically talk about, you know, tithing, but I wonder if he were to go back and, you know, talk about the tithe, this 10%, I wonder, would he lower the bar? Would he raise the bar? Would he keep it the same? Just something to think about. That's a great um, thought. That's a great thought. That is a really great thought. <laughs> I is. think he would raise the bar. Maybe. So maybe that's a good starting point though. Yeah, but the no, idea is, definitely. again, if we, that recognition of stewardship, it's all God's. And even if it is 10%, if we just take that as a, okay, maybe it's just the same, you know, whatever we don't have to be, we shouldn't be legalistic about it. God cares about our heart more than any of it. Mm. Um, but just recognize it's all God's. Um, and so to give back even just 10% of what he's given us, I mean, it feels right and, 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 and worthy. But I, I think that I grew up in kind of a, a very um, legalistic uh, conservative with a, with a legalistic conservative mindset. And for me, I was like, okay, cool. 10%. Like I'm doing my 10%. Like I checked that box. And even early in our marriage, we've always tithed, which I think is a good thing well, in general. But for us, it was, it was actually pretty legalistic where it was like, okay, I'm doing my Christian duty. I'm checking that box. I'm giving, we're giving our 10%. It stayed there for a very long time. Mm. And then I had this realization uh, that it's not 10% of the big belongs to God. It's a hundred percent. It all belongs to God. And yeah. yes, he might be asking for 10% of it to go to the local church, but that other 90% that matters too. And he yeah. cares about how we spend that money. Um, and I think he wants us to be generous with that as well. Yes, we should provide for ourselves and our families and, and be good stewards there. But I, I think, you know, he's really challenged Justin and I to consider how can we be more generous? Can we give more than 10% to our church? And then with the rest of it, how can we, you know, organize our finances to be able to give more money away, which has been really fun. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the things that was really transformative for me early in my marriage was, Tithing simply is one component of the budget, mm. which this is too strong of a word, forces me to give, mm. to be giving. Mm. And anytime I then take money that out of that budget to give, almost all the time it's been a major blessing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, we've supported missionaries, we've supported <clears throat> organizations, you know, on and on. And it's just always been a blessing to me to have that discipline to monthly or whenever to just automatically be giving our money away. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Right. (laughs) I mean, and uh, if you've ever practiced, you know, giving money away or being generous, like, you know, that is true that the most joyful people that I've encountered are those that are the most generous. It could be financially, it could be with their time, with their gifts. um, But, people that are most generous tend to have the most joy in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I, you know, um, I can say personally, it didn't start like that for me. It started like, ouch, <laughs> you know, I come from the adage of, if you can't say ouch, you say man, you know, type of thing. And, <laughs> but in that space, you know, being able to, you know, given a certain amount and you feel it because you're asking the Holy spirit to actively help you, be generous in your giving that has changed the scope of my life too, Tom and Kelly. And I've seen so many people who have been blessed from that space of literally going back to their spouse, having those conversations, like you're saying, budgeting, you know, talking about where, where, where they're at currently. And also in that space of giving, allowing God to continually challenge and work on their hearts to get to that space. So man, this has been so powerful. Um, and it's the first time, Kelly, that we've talked about money. It's crazy. We cannot wait crazy. 38 episodes to do this again, <laughs> ever. So, Tom, thank you. 
Thank you to Jessalyn for 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 lending you over to us uh, and uh, taking this time. And listeners, if you have questions, if you have thoughts, ideas, comments, um, don't forget to reach out to us at care at adabible.org and also just our Instagram um, at adabible or Facebook. If you have questions, uh, we'll be promoting this episode and want to be able to get you into contact with the right people as well as uh uh, some of the resources that we've shared today, um, including Financial Peace University at Ada Bible Church. And so um, if you are uh, at any space in your life where you're working on your finances, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We want to help you in that arena. So with that being said, Kelly, this is our final episode of the season. And uh, Tom, again, thank you. And uh, any any lasting thoughts um, before I share my news at all, Kelly? No, I, I, I'm good. Okay. Samuel, what are you going to share? Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, this has been an amazing three seasons uh, being a pastor and also being on staff at Ada Bible. Ada has done nothing but serve my family well. And, and in return, me being able to minister to countless individuals in men's ministry and in marriage, God has blessed uh, this this union and relationship. And and in it, you know, I have found myself in a season where um, I'm going to be stepping off a of staff mm-hmm. um, as a pastor, but moving into the mental health arena, which, you know, I'm a therapist by trade. Um, Kelly has a lot to do with that journey. Um, but in that, I just want to say thank you to our listeners. But guess what? I'm not leaving together. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not leaving together. I'll be back on season four with Kelly and with Rachel and her team. And, and uh, so excited about that. Uh, but in that, just being a therapist and, and being a, being here and around to get from that frame and, and I'm so excited about that journey. And my wife appreciates it as well. So we talked about marriage, but in that um, we look forward to having you all come back. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your community about Together. You can find us on so many of the podcasting platforms and we have so much more to give to you in season four, which is only a couple weeks away. So uh, we look forward to having you all. For Kelly, for Rachel, and myself, this is Together. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform leave a comment and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.